Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Hello, hello. It's Erica here, your host uh, for the Communicate for Good podcast. What you have on docket for this episode is my conversation with Tony Martinetti. And Tony is a plan-giving consultant and expert, and he is the host of Nonprofit Radio, which is the number one podcast for nonprofits, which is very, very cool. What I appreciate about this conversation is Tony's ability to ask questions in a way to kind of elicit a new take on things. So you'll hear me talk about, you know, if you're a longtime listener or follower of Claxon and myself, you'll you'll hear some themes, you know, goal setting, who are your true believers, these types of things. Don't go to the how before the what and the who are figured out. What I didn't expect, one, you'll hear near the end where I share something that kind of blows Tony's mind. He has to, he has to take a minute to let it soak in. So I'll just let that be a surprise for you. But also this theme of fun came out. And it is true, you're going to hear this. I was wearing, that we recorded this just before um, the holidays, so I was wearing Christmas lights. But it wasn't really until I was talking with Tony that I like felt how deeply I wanted more fun, more play in my world, in my life, in my work as well. So if you're listening to this and marketing, messaging, leadership, communication, any of the things that we talk about on this podcast are feeling like heavy or hard, or they're tugging at you, I invite you to join me at Claxon's now monthly Ask Me Anything session. Those are always the third Thursday of the month from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time. You can come and ask me anything. If you missed the first one, which we hosted recently, we we air the audio, uh, so you can go back and listen to that. Just wonderful participants, wonderful questions and therefore a wonderful conversation, I invite you to come and uh, let's see if we can't fun up whatever you have on the docket. All right. I loved my conversation with Tony. He's such a, he's a generous, humble man doing some terrific work in the world. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And with no further ado, here's my conversation with Tony Martinetti. And welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd bear the pain of aphonia if I had to speak the words you missed this week's show. Overcome common communications conundrums. It's time to change the way you think about marketing, says Erica Mills Barnhart. You'll make it more successful, find your true believers, and have more fun. She's CEO of Claxon. On Tony's Take Two, Planned Giving Accelerator. Here is Overcome Common Communications Conundrums. It's a pleasure to welcome Erica Mills Barnhart to Nonprofit Radio. Erica is a communication expert, speaker, author, and coach. She's founder and CEO of Claxon focused on teaching companies and leaders how to use words to change workplaces and the world. Erica also serves as an associate teaching professor at the University of Washington. She's at Erica Mills Barn, and the company is at klaxon-communication.com. Welcome, EMB. Thank you, Tony, for having me. Pleasure to have you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year back at you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed holidays and time off very much. Let's talk marketing because this, this, this is your this is this is your world, and because you think about this stuff every day, others of us only get to think of it when uh, things are not going right. We're, <laughs> we don't feel like we're <laughs> we're ever struggling with a eight and a half by eleven inch blank piece of digital paper, and we feel like we have to fill it, and it's not flowing. And we feel like we are not, uh, we're not 
reaching our audiences, maybe not in the right places, maybe not in the right ways, where people have questions that we feel like they shouldn't have, they, people should know, all this, you know, I think all this gives rise to us, the rest of us, thinking about marketing, but trying to piece it together and go as we, so I, I know you can allay our concerns and- I put can. Some, put some it doesn't have to be that complicated. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel the same way about the work that I planned giving. Keep it simple. Keep it All simple. Right. Thank you. All right. That's enough of me talking. So you want us to change the way we think about marketing. What do you want us to do? I want you to start with the what rather than the how. Here's what I mean. So you gave, you gave a beautiful example, Tony. I mean, yours was a blank piece of paper. But oftentimes when we're thinking about marketing, we go straight to like, should we be on Twitter? Should I be on LinkedIn? Should I be on Instagram? Should we do a newsletter? Should it be online? Those are all hows. And there are, I mean, so many hows. That's the wrong question to ask first. You first want to ask, what does success look like? What are the results that we are looking to achieve? What are the outcomes that we want? Right? And these, you know, you want them to align with your organizational goals. Like Marketing what? and like, communication like, is a means to an end, right? Let's let's start there. So it's always a means to an end, right? So how is it going to support your organization? So always start with the what and then the who. Who do you need to reach and engage with in order to achieve the goals that you set for your marketing? Once those two things are answered and you're real clear and don't move on, like the best thing that you can do for yourselves and your team and your organization is to like hold off on the how conversation until your what and your who are very clear. And then, and the reason it's so important to do in that order is because if you don't, if you aren't clear on who your target audience is, you'll sort of project into the how. Like, well, I love an annual report. I'm making this up, right? How about we do an annual report? Well, if your target audience is, you know, Gen Z, they're probably not looking for a, you know, multi-page annual report. They're looking for something really different. So it mitigates projecting your own personal preferences into your strategies and your tactics. So what, who, how, that's what I call the Claxton method. What, who, how, what, who, how, always grounded in the why. The bigger picture why for the organization, but also, you know, with what does success look like? Why is that important? Why is that goal important to the organization, right? Who's your target audience? Why are those people so important to you in the work that you're doing, right? So always the what, who, how, backed by the why. Okay. And that keeps things well, simple. Which, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> Let, let's let's un, let's unpack some of that. Marketing is a means to an end. You says you, it's in, you've uh, I heard you say somewhere it's in service to your mission. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, start with say say a little more about why why this is merely, uh, but an important means yeah. to an end. Yeah, because if you're not clear on that, like you were sort of saying at the beginning, and I appreciate it. It's like marketing can be a little existential. Right. There's a lot of the sense of like, I should know what I'm doing. We should, you know, we should be on TikTok. We should be on all these things. Right. It's a, it can be kind of like a fear, guilt, shame based activity. Right. And that's when you're just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff because you know that you should do it, but you're not quite, you know, like th this, like what you were talking about, like, I know I should be doing things, but I don't really want to do them. And I know, right. I just want to release that for people in the way, one of the ways, there's a few ways, but one of the ways that you do that is by really reminding yourself, like doing this just for the sake of it, right? We're not posting on TikTok, if you decide yeah. to do that, or LinkedIn. We're not putting out newsletters or annual reports. We're not doing any of it just for the sake of it. We're doing it because it's in service to our mission. It is in support of our mission. And that just, it, you know, what I found, because I've been doing this for almost 20 years, it can really calm people down. It can help you get grounded. And then you can get that clarity and focus going. All right. You also said start with outcomes. What does what is, what is success look like? Right. All right. So what are some of these? What, could you give us some like sample outcomes? Is it, yeah. is it fundraising related? Is it engagement on LinkedIn related? What, or maybe it's all that, you know, give us yeah. some sample outcomes to, to start with. For nonprofits, there's sort of a hit parade, right? So. Okay. Fundraising, for sure. Programs, definitely. Could, sometimes can be internal engagement also, by the way, um, if we're talking internal, but I'm going to keep, keep the conversation sort of focused okay. external. But I just want to note that, right? Sometimes well, you actually need internal marketing in order for the external activities of marketing to be successful. And like an, inter an internal outcome might be 50% reduction in turnover of That's staff. Right. Or something, exactly. Something like that. 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's a simple-minded one. You know, I'm, I'm scratching the surface. Uh, yeah, yeah, simple-minded. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> for nonprofits, it's always going to be fundraising and programs, right? But there's right. a third okay. that actually will surface initially, which is raising awareness. And when I work with clients, and when that's I see pretty amorphous, that's pretty it's out there. So mushy, exactly, Tony. It's like yeah. very amorphous. Also, and so the, so that's fine. Oftentimes, you do need to raise awareness, but. You're going to add two words, raising awareness so that, dot, 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 right? It's fine to raise awareness, but it needs, again, raising awareness so that what? So that you bring in, you know, more donors, so that you increase your retention rate, you know, for existing donors, so that you attract 100 new clients or customers, you know, whatever it is. It's like the means to an end to the means to an end that is marketing. Right. We have to hold our feet to the fire raise awareness. Okay. One, one person in the community now knows that we exist who didn't know. Okay. We raised awareness. We're done. Yeah. Check. And no, you know check. what I want to say? Yeah. The balance of staff versus volunteers or board members for your, for your podcast listeners, but the people who are, who offer raising awareness as a goal in and of itself, mainly board members. Yeah. Awesome board members, but this comes from a, from a beautiful place. So I also want to acknowledge that. They're so excited about the work of the organization, right? Like, of course, they want people to know about it. They want more people to know. They want more people to know. So I want to say it comes from a really beautiful place and we want to honor that. And then also go to that next step because that's where things get strategic. Okay, thank you. All right, so so we're starting with our objectives. You you want us to have objectives that are objective, neutral. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, well, so I distinguish between goals and objectives. And it's, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's a little nitpicky, but I have found, and I have a sort of podcast, Communicate for Good. And one of the early episodes is dedicated entirely to this topic, which is, I find it helpful if you're semantically tidy, right? So that you have organizational goals, and then you have marketing objectives or communication objectives. And it just sort of reinforces that hierarchy of marketing and communication being in service to the organization and the organization's mission. You that's okay. Want- you know, and, and we're here to talk about the, the Claxon method, so that's fine. Yeah. We can dif- differentiate between objectives and goals, but yeah. starting, with, starting with objectives. Well, no, you would start with goals, organizational goals. Oh, if you start with goals. Organizational goals, don't move on to marketing. Let's say that. Okay. okay. Like, if so, you're not thanks. clear on your organizational goals, no marketing for you yet. Okay. And again, that can be simple too. I'm sure you've, you know, had other folks on here you've talked about. You this you don't need to be complicated to be effective with your goals, but you got to have those. Otherwise, you can't move on to the marketing objectives because you don't know, right? You don't know what you're being in service to. So, and yeah, you want the objectives to be something you can measure. Like, did we make progress over, you know, a quarter or a year or whatever your time horizon is? Did we make progress? Did we increase retention? Did we grow acquisition? Do we have more donors, right? So it has to be something that you can measure. And oftentimes um, we resist in the nonprofit space getting this concrete, right? We're like, well, you know, we'll just way increase retention. Let's stick with that because increasing retention is fantastic. Um, But we don't say by what percent, right? Or by how much. What I find most often is that's a fear of failure. Oh, yeah, right. We don't. Yeah. Right. If you don't set it, if we then, put a number to it, now we're now we're going to be accountable at the end of yeah. whatever our time period is. And you know, there's the acronym for SMART goals. Yes. It's specific, measurable. Is it attainable or achievable? Whichever. Achievable yeah. is it, uh, realistic and time bound. And time bound. Right. Okay. SMART goals, folks. You know, our, our listeners, just Google SMART goals. Yeah. You'll find a million articles on yes, SMART on what SMART <laughs> stands for and what SMART means and yes. et cetera. So. Yeah, right. But if we're not going, but if we're not going to be realistic and and hold our own selves, hold ourselves and our organization accountable, yes. we're supposed to be running this thing like a business. It's a nonprofit business, but it is a business. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't mean business pejoratively, like cutthroat. But we're running a business here. We have employees. We have people we're serving. Yes, we're we counting do. on us for 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 what we deliver. We have people who support us. They necessarily buy things, but they support us with their time. And their money. They buy their version of a better world. More. I believe it is a business and it should be Well, they're run technically like corporations, one. right? Nonprofits are, are technically corporations. Yeah, they are. They're just nonprofit corporations. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable. And, and so this leads to something that you believe that 
uh, failure should be not uh, feared, but you know, accepted. And, and yeah. So don't be afraid. I'm going to give you a sec. I just so folks, you know, don't be afraid to set goals, objectives that are measurable, so you know whether you've achieved them. Because failure is not. I'm not going to say failure is not an option because that's not true. Failure should be totally should be accepted and maybe even embraced. You learn something. It's all in in what you do with the failure. It's somewhat inevitable. Like we, we're all coming through COVID, right? We tried all sorts of things. Like I, we just had kind of had a failure fest in a lot of ways over the past few years. And if you look at like how the sheer volume of things we learned, that's success. That's winning. Failure has such a negative connotation. And, and I do want to unpack this a little bit because I can imagine that, that you have listeners. Yeah, please. And they're like, uh, that is not an option in my organizational culture. It's not safe to fail. So this is a, this is a leadership issue, issue and a culture issue, right? Like we have to lay this firmly at the feet of the leadership. That is where this culture either is or is not created. And, and, when, and when failure isn't an option, just to play that out a little bit, people play small. They're doing the same things over and right. over again, right? right. You actually become small, less effective over time. Small, safe. Safe. This is how we do it. And, and you know, this is how we do it is shorthand for this feels safe to me. So, so a piece of this is psychological safety. This feels safe to me, right? And so you have to bring great intentionality as a leader. And when I'm coaching, you know, I do a lot of coaching one-on-one with leaders and with teams about one-on-one, we talk about failure a lot. Because you have to start with what's, what's your personal relationship with failure? Because failure feels safe to you, because if it doesn't feel safe to you, well, that's first step for you, (laughs) right? You can't like be up there pontificating about like, failure's great, we're going to embrace it. And meanwhile, you're like, oh my God, please, I never want to fail. Then that's not going to work, you know? So you have to unpack the, like, what is your subconscious mind telling? What are your beliefs about failure? What was modeled for you growing up around failure? You know, you have to do that inner work first, that inner game. And then when you're like, okay. I see the positivity in failure, then you can bring that forward as a leader. But really, this is about culture and it's about leadership. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if if you're in a place where failure is not at least accepted, I mean, we're not going to, maybe we're not cheering for it, but That's at right. least accepted, yeah. you know, it may not be the right place. Yeah. You know, if you, because, because it is, it's a place that's playing, like you said, Erica, it's a place that's playing safe and small. And, you know, we have enormous problems, whatever, whatever That's work right. you're yeah. doing from education to animal welfare, to the environment or whatever, religion, whatever you're doing, we've got a lot to, to do and playing safe and small is not going to get us there. Yeah. So, but you know, what's interesting, Tony, is when we look at both like inter- internal to the sector, but also external constraints to the sector. I just always want to acknowledge when we talk about failure as it relates to nonprofits and they're very world-changing work, like donors are not always super jazzed about the idea of failure. So there are some legitimate external constraints, funding constraints, largely funding related or partnership related, but mainly funding is what we're talking about here, where it's like, no, we're not, no, that's not on the table. And so you have to, you know, really figure that out for, you know, look at your funding sources and risk tolerance and failure tolerance as it relates to those, and then figure out like, how can, how can you create a funding portfolio that does allow you to take risks, that does allow you to fail. So I just always want to acknowledge, you know, you know, listeners, if 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 you're getting funding from pretty traditional sources um, that have been, like where that's not an option, I just want to acknowledge that that's a dynamic at play here. Uh, okay, yeah, and I I'm I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, I don't. I just that- never want to come off as like failure and embrace it and yay hooray and whatnot with you know like given. Given all the variables that leaders are dealing with, I just, I want to acknowledge it's not, it's, it's messy, right? It's not Part of messy. that also is messaging though. The way you, the way you go back to those funders yeah. and even not only after the fact, but before, before, you know, right before, here's something we're going to try and launch this program. And we're going to try to reach 2,500 people in the next year, but acknowledging that that's, that's a stretch. There's a, there's messaging Maybe it's even marketing involved in all well, those, I, you know, in, in that whole, just, in that whole, in the whole process. And relationship building, right? So if, if from the yeah. get, I, I, I would hope, like when I, you know, was in development, way back when, <laughs> you know, you have, especially with institutional funders, you know, you have the conversation up front. So are we going to set big audacious goals together? 
And if so, we might not achieve them. What are we going to do when we don't achieve them? Right? Like, and having those conversations up front, what are we going to do if we do? Because that's what we're going for. What are we going to do if we don't? Right. And where are the course corrections going to, going to come along the way? You know, I started talking about this idea of micro communication, <laughs> which is we tend to think about like, big picture communication and big picture messaging. And, you know, a lot of my work with clients is developing, I call them identity statements, but mission, vision, values, purpose statements, right? Like you nail that and the rest of your messaging becomes so much easier, right? It just all flows. That's the lead domino. So we always start there. So rightfully so, big ticket messaging and communication um, elements but increasingly, especially given what happened to our brains and our central nervous systems with COVID, I'm really working with clients about being more atten attentive and intentional about micro-communication. So what's happening in between the big moments? How are you creating that connectivity, right? And this can be very light touches. doesn't need to be a big deal. Like what? Give, give an example of what you're talking about. Text message, right? Like, hey, just checking in. We had a, we had a, we had a big day today. You know, we hit our you know, 100 people signed up, just wanted you to know, you know, pop them a quick email. We don't have to like wait rather than waiting for the formal report, you know, share the wins as they come okay. in. And even if it's just, uh, you know, like I'm very attentive to my instincts, you know, your gut is I know, people are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. it's like, well, it actually is millennia of information that we all have inside of us. So I'm pretty attentive oh, to I'm it. Anytime somebody in, pops I'm, on my radar. Follow your instinct. Yeah. What? You, I'm a huge believer in following your instincts. Yeah, right. It's telling you something anytime right. someone just pops on my radar. And this is multiple times a day. I stop what I'm doing and I pop. It depends on how they like to be communicated with, right? But it could be email. It could be a text. It could be Facebook Messenger, you know, whatever it's going to be. And I just say, hey, you popped on my radar. I'm thinking of you. You can do that, you know, in relationship with your funders and your donors as well. Like we're at a place where a little more humanness is allowable and actually mm. craved. Yeah. And also just from an internal communication perspective. There was an article recently uh, based uh, in Harvard Business Review based on some research out of the University of Pennsylvania. It was about what uh, staff employees are looking for from their managers. Yeah. And um, it was micro-understanding. So this is what got me thinking about micro-communication, right? And micro-understanding meaning I don't want you in my business. I don't want you to be micromanaging me. I want you to understand me. I want you to understand what happens for me over the course of my day. Because we are remote or hybrid for the most part, definitely not going away. I want you to understand what that means for me and to me. So hmm. that was a really interesting evolution and and a and an invitation for leaders to really be thinking: what does micro understanding look like? And then my you know next step with that is: and what does micro communication look like based on that? Right. All more humanness too. I like that yeah, idea. More humanness. More humanity. All right. So. Uh... Audacious goal. Well, we talked some about you know having audacious goals. Not not that goes back to you know not playing small and safe. Yeah. Uh, and no, and that's where this yes our digression on failure and micro communications <laughs> came when I said it may not be the right place for you. What I meant was you know if the, if leadership is not accommodating, at, you know at least accommodating being audacious, willingness to fail, then you have to evaluate whether that culture can change. And if you're not sure that it can, evaluate whether that culture is the yeah. right place for you. That's what, that, that was, you know. I've also worked with leaders who were, they are genuinely risk averse. That, that doesn't fire them up. It makes it yeah. very uncomfortable, right? So I just want to say on the other side of it, you know, just is it a culture fit for you can be anywhere along that continuum. But I, I love the question. Right. Like, is, is this a fit for me? Right. I feel like so often. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was, so I was often narrowing. we're like, you know, when I, when I, so I teach at the University of Washington, the Evans School, the public policy and governance. And when I talk to my students, and I mainly work with graduate students, so they're getting their master's degrees. They're like rock stars. They're amazing. They're just amazing. And they get to the point in the, you know, in their time and they're interviewing for jobs. And what I always say to them is when they're making you the offer, you are in the power position. Ask for what you want because it's like, oh my God, they want me, yay. And then you don't negotiate because yeah. you're like, oh, they, yay, they like me. Oh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You hold all the cards in that moment. Oh, they don't want to go through that again. You hold all the cards. Right. And it's sort of similar, like, and we're seeing this with quiet quitting and, you know, a lot of other movements. It's like this 
openness to like, maybe this isn't what I want. And so there's a lot of, you know, downsides and tough stuff happening right now, obviously. But I think a bright, I mean, I'm a, I'm a total optimist by nature. So I'm always looking for the silver lining in the bright spots while acknowledging the darkness. Is this for me? Is this what I want? Is this who I want to be? Is this where I want to be? You know, like there's just a different, and that that's like authoring your life. I just want to invite listeners to like, this is your one, this is it, right? And you're wonderful. And so are you authoring your life? Are you like making it happen for you? As opposed to like that, oh, it's happening to me stance, which is demoralizing. And again, from a leadership perspective, are you inviting that sense of, is this for me? How is this for me? Um, And encouraging that. Regardless of your risk tolerance, by the way. (laughs) Right, right. Across the board. I, I, I love the idea of making the life that you want, not defaulting into the life that lots of other people have made before you just because, you know, and that might be taking a year or two off uh, before, you know, to do, to do volunteer work or to, to travel. And, you know, there, there are myriad different ways it it involves your personal relationships, your, your professional relationships, your relationship with family. I mean, this would turn this into a therapy session, but I know I have that tendency. Sorry. Intentional about the life that you make for yourself and the significant part of that, although it seems like uh, maybe in declining proportion, but still significant is your work, the work you do. Yeah. The reason I say it's that maybe in declining proportion is because since the pandemic, I think work has become less significant to large swaths of, I don't know about the world, so I'll just focus on our country. Yeah. Uh, I, I think work has become less, yeah, there's less a force. Or at least differently significant. Like the way I'm experiencing it with my clients and, you know, friends and what colleagues, it's differently significant, which isn't good or bad, but it does feel different, right? Like it's holding different space in people's lives. Yeah. And I think part of that is the sense of agency. This like, maybe it doesn't have to look like this. And also, by the way, you can honor you know, I'm a woman. I like there are women who carved the path so that I could do what I want to do. And I honor that while doing things differently. Yeah. And while doing them on my own terms. Like you can hold both of that. And I think sometimes it can feel right. a little like, oh, but this is how insert person who's important to you, um, or who you respect did things. You can respect and honor that and do it your own way. Yeah. We can hold both these thoughts. You can hold both. Yeah, of course. All right. Uh, well, I made us digress from uh, some strict uh, marketing communication. So let's let, let's go a little back. True believers. We have you want us to ah. find true believers. Who are our true believers, and or what are they in the abstract, and how do we find ours? Yeah. Okay. So, in the world of marketing, generally speaking, in particular for nonprofits, there are three types of people in your audiences. Okay, and I'm not using these terms in their religious sense; using them sort of neutrally. Okay. Believers, agnostics, and atheists. So believers believe what you believe. If you are on a mission to eradicate extreme global poverty, they are like, yes to that. If it's to, you know, spade and neuter dogs, they're yes to that, right? They believe what you believe. Agnostics might believe what you believe, but you need to persuade them a little bit, right? Maybe it's not top of their list, or maybe it's like how you do it, or whatever. They're wooable, right? You can- you can, They're on the fence, the agnostics. Yeah, yeah. Fence. And, you know, um, so you might think of them as like uninitiated believers. Okay, but they're then they're in the middle, and then atheists don't believe what you believe. And so, one thing that comes up is it feels fantastic to convert an atheist, right? Like anytime I do a big public talk and we talk about this, there's always somebody who never believes. Like, yeah, but there was this guy, and you know, he was he was against us. He was, but then over, you know, we really kept working on him, and now he's a you know he's a donor. My question back is, that's great, but what was the opportunity cost of converting one atheist versus connecting? with a thousand believers. Like which one Which one is advancing your mission more dramatically? I mean, in, except in the world of politics, I just want to, that's the caveat. That's its own no, little, no, we're, you we're, know, different we're, thing. Nonprofit fundraising. It's all about connecting with your, with your believers. It's time for Tony's Take Two. It's planned giving accelerator season. I'm giving 50% off the full tuition for the month of January. So all this month, 50% off full tuition. The class starts in early March, first week of March, and we'll be done by Memorial Day. It's a three-month class. 
You'll spend an hour a week with me. Well, that may not be the biggest selling point. You'll spend an hour a week with your, who will become your friends in our Zoom meetings, always set up as meetings, not webinars. If you know the difference, you'll know that you can talk to each other. There's no, there's no putting questions and comments in a, in a chat box. Always set up as meetings. These folks will become your friends. They will be similarly situated in small and mid-sized nonprofits wanting to launch planned giving. All right? This is, this is what we do together. Oh, and, and I am there too. And I'm uh, teaching and, you know, I'll be guiding you, giving you the resources you need, like sample donor letters, template letters, marketing materials, PowerPoint for when you talk to your board. And that'll be one of the meetings we have together is acquainting your board with planned giving and perhaps soliciting your board, identifying your top prospects and soliciting them, identifying your tier two prospects and identifying them, etc. All the info is at plannedgivingaccelerator.com. I hope you'll be with me. Love to have you. And that's Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for Overcome Common Communications Conundrums with Erica Mills Barnhart. Give us some, uh, give us some ideas about how to get, maybe get somebody from agnostic to, uh, to believer. Are those people, are those, are they work the return on investment, the agnostic community? Yeah. I, you know, for the most part, you, you, you have to be doing both. So, so a lot of marketing though is about optimization, right? So it's for whom are we optimizing? And in general, if you're optimizing well, like with your messaging, right? So, so you have messaging that really speaks to the hopes, dreams, wants, needs of uh, your believers. That's going to be enough to like get your agnostics interest. It's going to perk up their ears. For your believers, they're like, woohoo, and you're off to the races. For your agnostics, it's going to take just a little more conversation, mm. right? And so, you know, questions are your friend. We default into this, like, if I tell them everything out of the gate, then maybe I'll hit on something that is interesting to them, and you end up just like, nah, 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 right? And I always say, when you tell someone everything, they remember nothing. And that comes from like a worried place, actually. Right? So again, like you're going to hear a theme, which is like, you're the authority in what your organization does. Show up as the authority. Ask yes. questions, right? Because the answers to the question, that's how you're going to get that. that. Then you know what they're interested in. And it could feel a little scary at first um, to do this. If, if Again, if it's not what we're used to doing or that's not the culture, get them, you know, ask questions. Just find out what, what is it about what you do specifically. So it's like there's a level of specificity in understanding agnostics that you need to move them. Uh, I might refer to it as an engagement cycle from knowing the organization to understanding the organization to engaging. Uh, believers move along that cycle real quickly. You need to spend more time in that zone of understanding and helping them understand what you do um, with agnostics. Is this all consistent with uh, Simon Sinek, his core belief that people don't buy what you, what won't buy what you don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it? Yeah, totally consistent. Consistent. Okay. So say a little more about the engagement cycle. Now you you can't shortchange nonprofit listeners with like a 10 second uh, drive-by yeah. of the engagement cycle. I mean, marketing and messaging is like very fundamentally all about moving folks around this engagement cycle. And it actually doesn't matter if you're like buying toothpaste or you're trying to get, uh, you know, a new donor. It's like everyone has to go from knowing to understanding to engaging. I got specific about this because what can happen, is this, this is unique to nonprofits, is because we care so deeply and passionately about what we're doing, there's kind of this like, to know me is to love me, to know me is to engage. Why wouldn't you? Right? <laughs> and then you skip over the understand phase. Mm. And, and that's really a miss. And it's a miss because, it, like, let's see events. I pick on events a lot. Um, events are a classic example of moving someone from knowing to engaging, right? Like, I care about something. I invite you, Tony, and some other folks to sit at my table at, you know, the lunch or the dinner. You come because you know me. Maybe you care. Maybe you don't. And then there's an ask. Rightfully so. We should ask for the support. But if you go from no to engage that quickly and you don't plan, and this is what I see again and again and again with nonprofits, is there isn't a plan for, okay, how am I going to go back to Tony and 
sort of, you know, back up the caboose, like understanding what, what you, Tony, care about as it relates to my organization. Yes, the, the important follow-up. The important, what, yes, very intentional follow-up. And this is where, you know, like retention comes into play. But it's really interesting. Like, you know, you say these things, it's like, well, why wouldn't you do that? So that's so weird. Why are you saying that out loud? Of course you would do that. It's it's stunning how often it doesn't happen. And it is this like really fabulous. Well, of course, Tony gave money. Of course he loves what we do. And we lump, you know, then we lump you in with somebody who's given to the organization for five years. Now you're a current donor. Not everybody does this. I'm sure, listeners, I'm sure there are some of you who are like, no, no, we kneel it on the follow-up. Like, you know, that's not, so I'm, I'm, I'm painting a wide, with wide, broad brushstrokes here. Uh, but I have seen this so often. Um, and it's heartbreaking because then you don't, you know, maybe you don't come back to the event the next year, you haven't been nurtured, and then you're a one-time donor. And that's super yeah. expensive. Right. And that is low the, ROI. That's the retention. I want the highest return on investment possible. <laughs> uh, Always. I'm, I'm guessing you're a big believer in segmentation. Yes. I'm Talk a big believer in segmentation, but, but not over-segmenting. Yeah, like, well, I feel like given some of the databases that we have. this. You can almost use it as a stalling tactic. Like, well, it, we're not ready to like send out our appeals because we haven't, you know, segmented enough. So I just like, it's a bit of an art. There's an art to the segmentation in addition to the science. So yes, I'm a fan of segmenting um, and not crossing the line into over-segmentation as sort of a, as a stalling tactic to doing the work. All right. I, I'm not, I'm not clear on this. What, uh, I mean, anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, anything can be yeah. overdone and used yep. as a used as an excuse uh, as an excuse for immobility. Yes. What 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 is was what's over segmentation? Like, what's an continuing example? to tinker with your database rather than sending out the appeal? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And and segmenting, we want to segment right by interest. I mean, if we know know someone is interested in the spay neuter program, then then those are the exactly. those are the touch points. Those are the data points. Those mm -hmm. are the stories. Yeah. We're going to share with them, not yeah. the, uh, not the adoption, not the adoption and rescue program. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like what are, what are their interests? And so, you know, any organization will know in advance, like here's kind of our top three, top three things we do, top three ways that we, services we offer or ways that we go about um, taking care of animals. So you start there again, authoring, right? So yes, you want the information and you know your organization best. So start there. And then you can put people in the file folders, as it were. And you're going to find out what their interests are, yeah. not only by their giving, but by asking the questions that you were talking about earlier. You know, what what moves you about our work? What brought you to us? What do you love? Yeah. Et cetera, right? And how do you like to be communicated with? Yeah. We have like a pretty strong email default setting now, I would say. <laughs> not everybody loves that. You know, I'm seeing, I have clients who are having great success with kind of not, not, not doing email. That's always going to be a part of what you're doing, but taking yeah. the time to like, actually, you know, back to snail mail, um, you know, really working, uh, direct mail. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like direct mail is like having to come back. Yeah. It's always strong. I, I think it, it's I'm, always so I'm, much stronger than people. Sure. Whenever I like show the stats on direct mail, they're like, what? Right. Especially when you're writing to people who love you already. Your your mail is not their junk mail. Exactly. They're giving to you. They're supporting you. They're spending either their time or their money with you. They're, they're going to open your letters. Yeah. I spend a lot of time talking about delight with my clients. Yeah. Like, how can you delight them? And it's, it's just, I mean, it's a delightful conversation to talk about delight. Uh, a lot of the work, you know, that that uh, nonprofits do is it's heavy, it's hard, and so delight can feel a little antithetical, uh, trivi trivializing the work. And so I'm not trying to, you know, don't trivialize the work and don't trivialize what you're sharing, but can you can you create delight in how it is delivered in some form or fashion? I think delight is a gift um in this day and age and it 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 like activates people's particular activating system which is opens opens them up to whatever comes next it also sounds like fun right you can be willing to have fun <laughs> don't be afraid yes. to have fun right yes fun yeah yeah i mean listeners can't see it but i do have a string of holiday lights around my neck i was thinking about saying it right this minute too yes, yes. you got yeah. christmas lights multicolored yeah i mean it's been an 
Pence year. It's a necklace. She has a necklace, necklace of Christmas lights. The old, the old style, big bulb type, not the bulbs. LED. Right. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing sophisticated about these lights. <laughs> no. No. They're fun. They're Dr. Seuss lights. And I put it on this morning because I'm, you know, I'm talking with you and I like have a lot of stuff. But I'm like, let's have a little fun. Please, please do. <laughs> All right, we still have more time together. Uh, EMB, Erica Mills Barnhart. What, what else? What else would you like to talk about? Marketing, doing it differently, thinking differently, what, that we haven't talked about yet. You know, one of the things. I, this is not a unique to me type of thing, but I, w- I really invite listeners to think about what they can let go of to do less. What I consistently see is organizations doing too many things. And often the reason for that is FOMO, like fear of missing out. Often, often, to double down on that, this comes from board members. So if you're a board member listening, you may have a fabulous idea for marketing. Thank you very much for that. And go back to the Claxon method. What does success look like? Who's our target audience? So does your idea, which is a how, is is that really going to resonate with the target market. This is why working the method is so important. Part of it is what you know grew out of like I wanted a way for to kind of mitigate positional authority negatively impacting marketing outcomes. Yeah. Right. Because if you're a staff member, it can be tough to say no, right? It really can be. And so then you end up with kind of a bloated number of marketing activities that you're doing. Um, so it's early in the year, like the work I'm going to be doing with clients. And I am hosting um, monthly free Ask Me Anything sessions starting in January 2023. So if you're a listener and you're curious, come to come to an AMA, right? Like, what can I take off my plate? Where I've been doing this so long the, that it's... And I'm, right? I'm objective. So I can be like, don't do that. Where take can, that where, off. Where, where can we learn about these AMAs? At Claxon? Yeah, go to claxon-communication.com backslash newsletter, sign up. Because it's for newsletter okay. um, subscribers. That's how you're going to find out about, like, get I the see. Zoom link and all that. Oh, you say dash. I say hyphen. Is hyphen okay? You don't mind hyphen, totally. do you? Totally. May- Ooh, maybe that's an East Coast, West Coast thing. Maybe it is. Claxon dash, Claxon hyphen. Yeah. You, say, you would say dot com, though, right? You wouldn't say, like, period. Correct. I had to think about that, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Dot com, dot org. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It's your company. Use dash. I... <laughs> I just, I don't know. I learned hyphen. Maybe in law school. Maybe I learned hyphen in law school. I don't know. Oh, sorry. That 100% seems lawyerly. It sounds like it. That's very technically accurate. Right. Like uh, aiding and abetting. You you have to duplicate the words in case you didn't (laughs) get it with aiding. Like I got to double down with abetting. Yeah. So that's one thing I would say. And part of it is like, I just want to, I give all your listeners and all nonprofit people just a permission slip to do less. Yeah. What kinds of things, what kinds of things we do less of? Uh, don't be on so many social media channels. Knock it off. You don't need to be on all of them. It, it, unless you are a very, very large organization, which as we all know, listeners, so there, there aren't that many nonprofits that are big enough to support yeah, that. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're very big, right. University of Washington is not listening to, to us. <laughs> Go dogs, but no, they're not. She's um, in, right. Uh, Erica is in uh, Seattle, Seattle, yeah. Washington. Uh, um, well, we just talked, well, uh, my guests just last week talked about what's going on at Twitter, Amy Sample Ward. And, um, you know, for the new year, oh, great. whether, whether you want, so Twitter may be, you know, her advice was just evaluate it objectively. To- I, it, I it, literally, Tony just had this conversation with my client yesterday. One yeah, of them is a good time to think, take a step back, take a step back. But, and, and you know, that, that I don't, I mean, I haven't listened yet to what Amy said, but, uh, I, I do and believe everything Amy says, by the way, um, she's brilliant. Oh, um, no, she's on, she's on all the time. You know, Amy Sample Ward. Yeah. Oh, she's a regular, she's my, uh, our technology and social media contributor on the show. Yeah. Way back when I worked for an organization called NPower. So we put technology into the hands of nonprofits. And so we started uh, crossing paths then. So we've orbited for a long time. Um, It's a values decision to a certain extent, right? So just with that Twitter piece, I'm sure she spoke to this. She um, did actually. Here's the like values. Yeah. Yeah. Are our are our people there? So who's your target audience? If so, okay, that's that's one piece of the equation. But also like, how does this align with our values as an organization? So that that's really Twitter is really a twofold choice. Whereas the rest of them, um, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, I was I, what I generally say is be on one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Be on one, be fully on one, be the organization where if you're on LinkedIn, 
and you're, you know, you've got, got the algorithm going for you. People are like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's so-and-so again, insert the name of your organization, like that it's, you're omnipresent. I'd rather have clients be omnipresent on one channel than sort of, you know, not even blipping onto the radar of the 17 different social media channels. I mean, there's a hit rate of five basically, but I'd rather have you be omnipresent on one. Once you have that nail, add another. You know, some organizations can do two. It's fine. But even at two, um, oftentimes uh, I, I see diminishing diminishing returns for clients. Yeah. I mean, I run a communication firm, right? We're on LinkedIn. Period. Full stop. What, what's, uh, well, at Erica Mills Barn. Yeah. Is that not? Yeah. And that, yeah. And that was my choice to sort of be the face of. So that's our. Oh, so the company. Uh, okay. So the company is strictly on LinkedIn. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Claxon. All right. Yeah, permission to do less. Permission to do less. Permission to do less because you're going to do it better. And you're going to feel like just, you're going to feel the energy of it. And I actually, because I do have, you know, uh, uh, people call it a woo-woo streak, but actually it's quantum physics um, and metaphysics, which is like, if you're on, I'm going to make this up, right? If you're on five channels right now, where you're doing five or six things, I want you to write each of them on a piece of paper. I want you to go what, who, how, make a you know strategic informed choice about which you're going to keep. And the ones that you're going to release, you're going to go burn the scrap of paper. It is so gratifying. <laughs> and there is something energetically about that. I mean, one of the things that I talk about a lot is the energetics of language in general, right? So words, we hear words matter. Words matter because they actually are matter. Um, so they abide by all of the universal laws of physics and thermodynamics, just like anything else. So the words themselves have energy. Hmm. Every word has its own energy. The way you deliver it can shift the energy, right? Um, and so as you're, the, like, that's why just releasing and having to change form is really an important part of the process. Plus it's fun, theme of the day. It's fun. But I mean, you know, be safe about your birding. I'm not like suggesting you be yeah, not no, safe. Be safe and have fun. Right. Oh. It really helps because otherwise there's going to be this niggle that's like, oh, but we still have that like profile up. So maybe we should be doing something or, ooh, yeah. Just release that for yourself. Let it go. You deserve it. Like every single person listening deserves to do what they're doing in a way that feels amazing to them. All right. That's empowering. That's empowering. <laughs> Me too. So words follow the laws of physics and thermodynamics? Yeah. They're energy. Hmm. They're literally energy, right? Because they're matter. Words are matter? <laughs> well, paper that words can be written on is matter. But aren't the words uh, ephemeral and... Why would they be? Because they're vocalized. Yeah. They vaporize after they've been uh, articulated. Tony, has anybody said, ever said anything to you that hurt your feelings? Sure. Did that feeling vaporize as soon as the words left their mouth? No. Yeah. We were trained to think of them as ephemeral no. and they are not. They are energy. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that blows people's minds most of the time. I'm sure listeners are like, oh my God, they're talking about, what are they talking about now? And this is, so, so let me get concrete about this. I mean, I love talking about it at this level, but I want to make this practical for listeners. This, so when I'm creating like identity statements, mission, vision, values, purpose, we look at, and there's a tool, wordofire.com. You can go there. You can put in any word you want. Massive database power assist. We pulled every single word off 2,503 nonprofit websites. This allowed us to generalize to the entire sector at a 95% confidence interval for any of my fellow geeks out there. That's what, that's the bar that you want, right? So you can go there, put in any word you want. And it's going to tell you, it's going to give you a red, orange, or green. Red means this is this word is used a lot by nonprofits, a lot. People aren't going to notice it. Like impact, probably. Impact is up there. I'll tell you, I always joke that provide is the lamest verb ever. <laughs> Verbs are yeah. very important. It's the fourth most used verb by nonprofits. So what that means is no one's going to notice that verb. And verbs represent the change that you're committed to creating in the world. And so you want a verb that's like, oh, okay, interesting, right? So there's always a better verb than provide. <laughs> so you can put that in. And, and, and the green ones, so you can get some, you know, synergy is still green. It's not saying like definitely use it. It is giving you feedback about uh, the extent to which somebody's probably going to notice the word or not. 
So, so in language, we have function words and content words. Function words are like the, and, but, right? Our brains don't register those because our brains can't register everything, right? Like our subconscious mind is processing 11 million bits of information per second. And that's condensed into like 40-ish pieces of information for our conscious mind. So our brains are very efficient because they have to be. And so from a messaging perspective, you know, your 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 light bulb necklace is overloading my 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 conscious and subconscious process. I'm doing like 20 million bits a second because I got uh-huh. I got I got these lights. It's a good thing you didn't put them on. I asked her to put them on flashing and she said no, it gave no. me a headache. It's a good thing you didn't do that. All right. I'm sorry. sorry. I can blow your mind all on my own. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's why, you know, when we're creating, and again, these are this this is the most important set of statements that you're ever going to write as an organization. So it's worth the investment to do it well. And you're looking for like that combination of like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And like, oh, that word interests me. Well, I'm not used to seeing that quite in that context. You know, that's the art. That's why like after 20 years of working with organizations, writing those, I never get tired of that. That's just fun. You like to read fiction? Yeah, I read a lot. Fiction, fiction, much more than non, more so than nonfiction. Use of use of language, word word choice. Uh, you know, it, it sometimes it stops me. I don't read I don't read that much fiction actually, but when I do, you know, someone's word choice is like, oh man, she wrote she wrote that he threaded them yes. through the narrow pathway, not right. that he led them or or took them. He exactly. threaded them through the narrow pathway. That happens to be part of a book that I've. It stays with me. See words words uh, words. Follow the laws of physics and thermodynamics. I told you that. You thought they were ephemeral. Her, you know, this is the author's choice. Uh, It is one of those things, though. Can we just pause on this for a second? Like, every time when I first talk about that with somebody, share it, they're like, wait, wait, my brain just hurt. And then you're like, oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like, once you see it, you see it. Yeah. Well, you grounded it well in, you know, hurtful, hurtful words. And also, sorry to go there, but positive words. Oh, like sorry, thoughtful, I, thoughtful words could get me going for a month. I can think about oh, she she took the show to her board and it led to a discussion, which led to an action, and you know I could go on six months amazing. on that. So yeah, okay. Either way, and yeah, on I a see. continuum, words are on a continuum, just like all energetic things are on a continuum. But yeah, that they but they do either have a negative or positive charge. So is that your background? You have a degree in uh, in physics sciences? No. My dad was a um, professor of engineering. Mm. I artfully um, didn't do any, I didn't do chemistry. I didn't do physics. I like avoided everything in that realm. (laughs) But uh, later I really started seeing like, it's um, how uh, relevant is to everything in life. So I sort of did more self-study, but I do just, I do run things past my dad. Like when I landed on that, I think, I think words abide by all the, so I sent sent my dad a note and he said, let me think about that for a little bit. He came back and he said, yes, you're right. So I I pressure test (laughs) all of these things because I do not have a background in it. And your dad's response is classic engineer. Let let me think, let me me think think. about the problem. Think about the question. You think about the question and the solution and the answer. All right. But you sound like me. Like I took physics for poets in in college. My daughter is right. a senior, so she's applying to colleges and wait, who is uh, this? undergraduate. You're, you're, wait, you're who? You're... My daughter is a senior. Yeah. In high okay. school. And so the other day she said, um, Mom, didn't you, you like majored in French and political science, didn't you as an undergrad? And I was like, yeah. She's like, why? <laughs> it's like, oh. I don't know. You know. I've done fine. So, but she is very much, you know, she wants to be neuroscientist and she's very... No, she follows her grandfather. He sciences. Does. Strictly rooted in the sciences. All right. Yeah. Where did your dad teach? Where did your dad teach? University of British Columbia. That's you're from some, Vancouver. Some yes, listeners you're from, will you're, notice like a little weirdness to how I talk. a little further north than Seattle, right? You're yep. from Vancouver. I Two hours north of here, you hit the border. About okay. 45 minutes past that, you get to Vancouver. Okay. That's why I still say a couple of things weird, like my mom and past and I've been places. Because that's Bean, where I was born. Your mom, Bean, right. Why don't you leave us with some uh, inspiration, Erica Mills? Barnhart. Wow, Tony. <laughs> oh, come on. Give, take, us out with, uh, take us out with good marketing inspiration. You're loaded with it. What do you mean? Come on. This is a walk <laughs> well, in the park for you. 
I'm going to double down on some of the things I've said. I, I really, I mean, I'm kind of on a bender about do less, be kinder to yourself by doing less. I really want that. I want that for every listener. I want it for their teams. I want it for their families. I want it for everybody. Um, we've just gone through so much tough stuff. Um, one of the questions that I love playing with that I always play with is my, especially my my leadership, uh, you know, my leaders, which I do coaching with is like, how can you make it easy? Like, oh, oftentimes we make things harder than they need to be. I am notoriously fabulous at making things really complicated. Um, and a couple of years ago, I just started asking, like, how can I make this easy? What's the easiest way to do this? And easy in the sense of, Easy, maybe it's for you. How do you make it easier for you, for your team, for the organization, right? Like just without losing or negating or minimizing the importance of the work that, that, that you know, listeners are doing, there's almost always a way to just make it a little easier. And let me tell you, there's always a way to make your marketing easier. Always, always, always. I mean, it's why I have like listeners have heard some of the, the methods and the um, frameworks that I use. It's why I'm such a fan of creating them. And mine are all super simple. And the reason for that is because I want to make it easier. Like I want to free up that energetic space for you to be focusing on the substance of what you're doing, on the way in which you're changing the world. Um, you know, marketing communication isn't rocket science. It's actually pretty darn straightforward. Um, and so let's let's make that as easy as possible. Can we also double down on have more fun? Have more fun. I mean, by the way, that's giving myself a permission slip. Um, it's, you know, it's easy. Like if, especially, I love the work I do. I mean, I, I truly, it, it lights me up. Haha. Um, Haha, because As of she the tugs necklace, on her necklace. Listeners, okay. Yes. Um, I do have light bulbs around my neck. Um, but this work can, it can be heavy and getting, you know, the stakes feel high. I have some really high profile clients. Um, you know, I need to get it right with them and for them. Um, and I think that it can be, we can forget to have fun. You know, we can forget to have fun. So like so fun, don't, don't, don't means, forget spaciousness. I always like come up with three words um, for the year. Uh, that's pretty fun. If listeners don't do that, that's a beautiful way to set the stage for the year ahead for yourself. You have three words for 2023? I do. Well, <laughs> no, no, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to well, leave people like wondering, you can reach out. I'll tell right, you. right. You have to meet Jerrica. Yes, if you want the three words. What are the three words for 2023? Spaciousness, vitality, and play. Spaciousness, vitality, and play. Mm -hmm. so, uh, all right. Spaciousness. Well, we talked spaciousness. Permission to, permission to do less. Yep. Permission to have fun. Play. Play. Bye. And vitality. Yep. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave Follow it with spaciousness. Follow up, Tony, and I'm going to ask what yours are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email you in a couple of weeks. Okay, because we're recording uh, in December. See, I don't have mine yet, but no. we'll we'll go we'll go out with yours: spaciousness, yeah. vitality, and play. Yeah. EMB Erica Mills Barnhart, communication expert, speaker, author, coach. You'll find her at Erica Mills Barn, and her company at Claxon Hyphen or Dash Communication dot com. Erica, thank you very much. Real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Next week, the 2023 Fundraising Outlook Report from One Cause. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. All right. What did you think? What jumped out at you from the conversation? What are you like going to mull over? How are you going to fun things up, right? How can we make all of this more fun? The work you do is so important. And sometimes it is legitimately heavy work. So I'm not trying to say we can just fun up everything. But for the moments and the times when you can, what might that look like? 
Uh, again, if you want to brainstorm this, um, I invite you to the Ask Me Anything sessions. Those are only for newsletter subscribers. So if you listen to this and you're not a little newsletter subscriber, get yourself signed up. The link is in the show notes. Um, and if you if you're somebody who would prefer to talk one on one, reach out. You know, we can find a time to connect. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I, I definitely know I did. I will just leave you um, oh, with a little bit of a teaser. Next week, we are going to talk about trends. So I'm pretty excited about that. 2023 trends is what we're going to talk about um, next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, doing the research for it has, has really been fun. It's been fun. There's the theme. All right. Do good. Be well. Thanks for doing all the awesome work you do in the world. And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.